Hi friends, welcome back to the Girls Just Wanna Have Friends podcast. I am so excited to be here as always and so excited I remembered to say hi friends because I didn't on the last episode and my sister messaged me and she was like, I miss it and I did too. That's the reason I named this podcast Girls Just Wanna Have Friends is because I'm always saying that to people, hi friends, bye friends, that's my friend, whatever. And so I'll never forget that again. Um, this is my second time beginning to record this. On the last one, I was maybe, I don't know, four minutes in, so nothing too serious. And I realized GarageBand on my computer had recorded like two minutes of it and then stopped. And so I just want to give a PSA. Don't use GarageBand for anything because that's the second time it has screwed me over. So I'm just going to go with what I know and what I trust, and that is some random voice recording app that I found online. You literally, I just googled like online voice recorder, and then it's the sketchy website, but it does better than GarageBand. We're boycotting that. Um, <sighs> hi. Before we get into the podcast, if you're only listening to the, edit, the audio, um, let me do a little check-in, a little fit check. Let me set the scene for you. Don't want you to miss out. And I love doing this, just talking about what's going on and what I'm wearing. As always, we're in the closet, sitting on the floor, covered in white fuzzy blankets, got a pillow under my butt. And this is my oasis, my little layer, very comfy in here. But the look is different. I have a very bright metallic gold bandana wrapped around long loose wavy curls, gold shiny dangly earrings, probably, I don't know, six or seven layered gold necklaces on top of a bright burnt orange sweater. And I would say this is the way that I look when I close my eyes and I envision my most embodied, expressive, fun, jungle Leah self. This is how I look. Only I don't do this every day because I wear workout clothes every day and I work from home and this takes a little bit more effort. And so I'm trying to find that balance of how can I be the most aligned, expressed version of myself aesthetically because I think the way that you look can have a lot to do with the way that you feel, but also balance that with, you know, having to wear training clothes every day. And so I don't know, maybe I'll just wear two outfits every day, wear one for training and then one for not. I have a friend, Brenda, who does fashion for a living. She has a fashion podcast. It's called The Fashion Edit. Check it out. She's only a couple episodes in as well. She's gone to school for fashion. She has her own fashion line. She ran an online boutique for a while, handmade stuff. Um, she's really good. At it. She has an eye for this stuff. She's very talented. And so one day I'm going to get with her. We're going to collab on how I can embody this look embody my inner jungle Leah, my feminine priestess, while also incorporating my lifestyle of training, of working from home. This didn't take me very long. It only took me 20 minutes. And so I'm probably being dramatic. I probably don't need advice, but I'm gonna ask her anyway, just because she's the professional. <sighs> All right. So let's dive in. I not to get too heavy too quickly, but I do want to give a trigger warning or a forewarning, whatever you want to call it. 
that today's topic is going to be heavy. I don't know if you could tell from the title, but we're going to be talking about sex. Not in a fun way. I mean, it can be fun. Maybe we'll do a fun episode about sex one day, but for this episode, probably not. Um, we're going to talk about assault and how to reopen yourself back up to your partner, um, back up to yourself, reclaim your body and your power in that space after experiencing something like that. We're only four and a half minutes into this podcast and I'm already bringing this up because I just want you to know that's where this is headed. And so if that's a topic that is very triggering for you, it brings up really uncomfortable emotions that you're not ready to sit with yet or ready to hear about yet, go ahead and click off. It will not hurt my feelings. There are other episodes that are more fitting, probably more fun, more lighthearted. And so it's okay if this one's not for you. That being said, this is probably uncomfortable for anyone to hear about, whether it's triggering or not. And so if you want to ride with me, if you want to hear about my experience with that topic and then hear about the advice that I give for the person that wrote in, stick around. And I think I have some really, really good stuff to say. And at the end of the day, this is why I'm here, right? I don't know why you're here. I can't say why you tuned into the podcast, but I know why I'm here and why I created this podcast is to talk about the real shit. Um, I have my own coach, my own, I, I honestly don't know what title I've given her. We do womb work together, my womb worker, um, women's wellness coach, helping me embody my femininity. I, I don't know what title to give her, but we work around that kind of stuff. And I had a call with her yesterday and we got into this topic. That's not why I'm bringing it up on the podcast. I'm bringing it up on the podcast because that's the submission I got. <coughs> oh, excuse me. But we got into this topic yesterday and I was telling her, I've done so much work on myself, so much work over the last two and a half years where I've gone to places that are uncomfortable. I've drudged up stuff. Um, my childhood things and why am I the way that I am and learning to coexist with my partner in the most loving, authentic way, healing my triggers so that I don't bring that into my relationships. I don't bring that into my life. I've overcome eating disorder. I've overcome alcoholism. I've overcome all of these things. I've lost a lot of weight. I've gone so many places. Plant medicine has been such a huge part of my journey. Ayahuasca, mushrooms, not even the psychedelic ones, even just getting in touch with, you know, plant medicine spirits through hape, stuff like that. I've gone so many places the last three and a half years that are hard, that are uncomfortable, and I've done the work. All of that being said, I've not really done the work because no matter what I do, no matter what I heal, no matter what I overcome, there's always one layer deeper and the one layer deeper is the one I've been ignoring. And that is the way in which sex, for me, plays a role in all of this, in my wounds around sex. And so I was, back to what I was saying, I was talking with my coach yesterday and I was telling her like, this 
is the shadow work. Like, this is the shit I've been ignoring and there's no other option. Every time I heal, I overcome, I peel a layer back, it always leads to this and I haven't felt ready before. Which sounds crazy for me to say because I always am ready to do the work seemingly i'm always ready to do the hard things and have the hard conversations but when it comes to this topic i haven't really gone there yet i've talked about it i've messed around with the idea i've written letters to the person that hurt me and and i've gone there but i haven't gone there if that makes sense and so i was telling her yesterday like this is the fucking work like this is the work that i talk about I need to be about it because all paths lead to this. This is where my roadblock is. Every time I peel a layer back, I peel a layer back. It comes back to sex. It comes back to sex. And I think it does for a lot of people. And there's no other way for me to continue on until I tackle this topic. And I'm tackling it with her. I'm not going to tackle it here on this podcast. I'm not going to go into the the very intricate deep details of of what happened of course i'll give an overview for context but i'm tackling it with her and and this is my shadow work that i need to do and shadow work as i explained to my clients is this is how i see a shadow self a shadow self is the part of ourself that we avoid we tuck it away in the closet. We don't let people see it. We don't talk about it because it's scary and it's shameful and it makes us want to hide under a rock. It is the parts of ourselves that we think if people knew the details of it, they wouldn't love us anymore. And it's the parts of ourselves that if we see the details of it, we aren't loving to ourselves and we judge ourselves and we feel guilty and we feel shameful. That is the shadow work. And I've done a good bit of shadow work, but I mean, like this is it. There's no other paths that always comes back to it. And, and this feels like the right time to do this work with her. And so that's the conversation I had with her yesterday. And so it's very coincidental that this is the topic that my listener wrote in about um, needing advice on. And I was really back and forth about whether or not I wanted to talk about this on the podcast on the podcast this soon. It's only episode three. And while I did promise lightheartedness and fun on this podcast, sometimes I also did promise the real and the raw and the authentic. And so as soon as I saw the submission written in and I had the oh shit feeling in my stomach, immediately I was like, okay, that means we have to talk about it because I want to be the one that takes it there when nobody else will. And so here we are taking it there because this is the real work that we came to do. And so let's, let's get into it. Before I get into the submission, of course, I always want to give context, context and share my journey and how I even have a perspective and opinion why I have the right to say what I'm going to say. And 
I also want to say this is just my opinion. These are not facts. I am not, I did not go to school for therapy. I am not, you know, 10 years deep into trauma healing. This is just me and my story and I'm giving my opinions and my advice based off of that. And so know that you're always able to seek help from somewhere else outside of this podcast. But I do really think that what I have to say can be impactful for people because not a lot of people go there, go here, go to this topic in their lives. And so this can be a space where that happens. That's why I started this podcast. Another reason why I was okay bringing this topic up of sexual assault and the fallout of that and overcoming that is because I know, I don't have the statistics to back me up, but I just know in my heart there is a knowing that the majority of people listening to this have experienced it as well. You know, there are many complexities that come with that. Maybe they've not admitted it to anybody else yet. Maybe they don't even admit it to themselves. Maybe this is one of those things that's that's a part of their shadow self and so they don't talk about it. I like to think of it as like, when I think of my, when I, when I think of this topic, I think of like a frog in my throat, like a little lump in my throat, maybe not a frog, maybe like a, a boulder in my throat. And, and it just wants to come up in the moment that it does, the moment that frog comes out of my throat and out of my mouth, there, there is no more blockage. It's like word vomit. There's just so much space, so much clarity. There is a portal from the top of my body to the bottom of my body that is just cleared out. And that's what I like to think of when I talk about this topic, because I know so many women out there, men too, but I would assume this majority of women listeners have that same feeling of like, they're holding this thing inside and there is no room to heal it. Their pipeline is blocked until they say it out loud. And I do genuinely believe that until you begin to talk about it and share your story it doesn't have to be on this platform. It doesn't have to be on social media. It could be with a therapist. It could be with yourself. It could be with your sister. It can be whoever. As soon as those words escape your mouth and it is no longer a secret, then you have the space inside of you to heal because it takes so much. I'm telling you so much effort to hold this information inside, to hold the shame inside, to hold the guilt inside, to hide it. And so the moment it's no longer a secret, then you have the space to heal. You're not using so much of your mental capacity to hide it. And so that's what I, that's what I think this topic is for a, a lot, a lot of people. And I know I have this knowing in my heart that so many women have experienced something like this, maybe obviously to varying degrees, um, but can relate to something like this. And if not all of them, like that, I know that is a bold statement, but I don't even want to say some, like if not all of them or 99% of them or very close to all of them can relate to something like this. And so for me, let this be a sign to get that frog out of your throat, to get that clog out of your pipeline and clear that energy and allow space to heal because there is no space to heal as you hold it inside. 
and you might not even know that you're holding it inside. It might be denial, and we're going to get into that right now. Enough rambling. Thank you for indulging me in 15 minutes of rambling. It's been a lot of vagueness, and this is what we're going to talk about, but let's finally talk about it. So, sex. This is the role that sex has played in my life in a very dark, unhappy way. Again, want to give that disclaimer. Won't go into like nitty-gritty details of, of the actual event, but when I was two, two and a half, three, I have a, a vivid memory of it. So whatever age you are, when you, when you get your first memories, cause this is literally my first memory. I want to say three, the years line up of where I was living. I was sexually assaulted. I was molested. Again, won't go into details, but just know that it happened and it happened big time. And for a long time, I never told anybody. I didn't say it out loud until I was in my 20s. And so when I say a long time, I mean a long time, right? Like over 20 years, I didn't say it out loud. Let me tell you why. It was this weird there's so many layers to this it's very complex so please just bear with me it was this weird feeling of like did that really happen like I was so young is my first memory did that really happen very much questioning myself and denial which I kind of shared I had with my quote-unquote daddy issues I shared in the first episode too of like it's denial of yes it happened but it didn't really have a big effect on me so why even talk about it that like has nothing to do with the way I feel the way I live my life the way I show up so who cares I don't want to start drama by bringing this up and so it was a big it was it was a combination of both of those things of, did that really happen and then once I realized it did who cares which is so sad to say now but at the time I literally was like who cares I don't even care and so let me explain to you why or how I finally got confirmation that it did happen. It was a memory that I had, a vivid one. But when you're, I don't know, 10 years old, you're like, was that a dream? Am I making this up? I have a big imagination. But nobody um, had ever talked with me about something like that. So it was completely like I was the source of this memory. And so I got older, I got older, and, and I still had the memory, of course. And then he went to jail for doing it to his sister. And that was my confirmation. I was like, oh, shit. It did happen. Because It happened again to someone else with the same person. And so now, like, that was my confirmation. And this weird, um, I want to say, like, portal opened when I got that confirmation of, like, he did it to someone else and now he's in jail for it. Like, this weird portal of memories came back where I could vividly see and smell feel the details like no other 
And then came the denial of it's not really affecting me, not a big deal. I'm going throughout my life in a very normal way because when you hear about sexual assault, it's you hear about trauma. And when you're young like that, I would say I was maybe in my teens when I got that confirmation that he was doing it to someone else too. And when you're young like that, 15 or so, like it's hard to really conceptualize trauma. You see it in the movies of like, she was very intensely assaulted and she was pinned down and she had to go to the hospital and she's bleeding and then she stays in bed and she cries for weeks and the life is never the same. It was not that for me. I was so young that it felt normal and it was all I knew that I was like, it's not a big deal. Don't want to start drama because the person that did it was in my family. And so I was like, yeah, we're just not going to go there. Sorry, I dropped the mic if there was a big boom or a big noise. And so I just never said anything until I was in my 20s and a few other women that are close in my life gave me confirmation again that it was happening to them at the same time that it was happening to me. And that was when I finally got the courage to say it out loud. And so once I said it out loud, I still was a little bit in denial until let's say I was 22. I don't remember the exact timeline. Now I'm coming up on 27 here in a, here in a month or two. And so this was a few years ago. I was maybe 22 when I had finally said it out loud and told someone like, hey, this thing happened to me when I was a toddler. And then when I began to do this work on healing, and on myself, did I really realize how it affected everything? And y'all, when I say everything, I mean literally everything that has unfolded in my life since the moment it happened to me as a two and a half, three-year-old was in some way an extension of this trauma. And I was like, holy shit, this was a lot of pain and a lot of realization for me to have at once over a one, two year span of me beginning to dive in and do healing work on myself and do self or personal development work on myself. Every time, like I said, every time I peeled a layer back, it came back to this oh, this is why I feel this way. This is why I have this story. This is why I do this thing. I'm telling you the drinking, I'm telling you the disordered eating, I'm telling you the body dysmorphia, I'm telling you the sexual promiscuity throughout literally my entire life. It all came back to this thing. And I was like, fuck. And I kept ignoring it until now. No, that's a lie. I wouldn't say I was ignoring it. I was doing the work and I was healing, but not in the way that I needed to. I was healing in my brain. I was doing a lot of mindset work. I was not healing in my body. And so that's what I'm doing now with my coach. But I was doing a lot of healing in my brain. 
So I've done a lot of thinking about it and a lot of releasing and a lot of mental and emotional healing, but not body energetic healing. And that's where, that's where I'm going with my coach. But now that we have that context, let's rewind again in the ways that it has shown up in my life and how I've realized that it's affected everything. We'll start from the beginning. So obviously I was exposed to sex way earlier than any human ever should. And so it was this, obviously as it was happening to me, it was communicated to me that like, this is a secret, don't tell anybody, blah, blah, blah. And so way, way earlier than any human ever should. And I didn't have a choice in that. First and foremost, obviously that's a really important thing to emphasize is like, I had no choice in this. I was literally a baby. And so from a very young age, I mean, very young, literally two and a half years old, like sex was a big part of my life. And I knew it was this like secret. It was this thing that you explore in private and you don't tell the grownups. And it's like, it's my little thing. And so I was like from a very young age exploring my body. And then when it got to, to being around like other people, let's say kindergarten, first grade age, when I like learned how to read and stuff and could like search the internet and explore more because I had more independence, I would like when my parents would go to bed, dad and stepmom. So I was at their house a lot at, at that point in my life. I would like, everyone would go to bed. I learned how to work the remote, would like put porn on, on, um, on the TV. Like that's when, obviously that's when cable was a big thing, like late night cable, like found porn magazines in, in a family friend's house and would like explore that. Even like staying the night at my girlfriend's houses when I was like kindergarten, first grade, like we would experiment and it was because obviously I just thought this is what people did from almost birth. That was what I was exposed to. I was like, oh, this is what people do and it feels good and it's fine. But it was also like that inherent knowing of like, don't tell anybody. It was that weird dichotomy of like, this is what people do, but also like, it's a secret. I don't know how I conceptualized that so young, but in hindsight, that's how I handled it. And so like exploring with my friends, um, and that's a whole other thing. And then all that curiosity, all that porn, all that exploring with my friends, all that exploring with my own body, when I became a little bit older, I realized like, I didn't realize in hindsight, I realized, but at the time the story I had in my head was like, this is, this is what my body is for. This is what I have to offer the world. This is how I get attention. And that is how I got attention was for the way that I looked for the way that my body was developing. I mean, from like 14 years old, I had really large breasts and I got a lot of male attention. And so I was like, okay, from the beginning of forever, like this is what I'm here to do. And so I'm going to do that. And so that's how I got my validation and my confirmation was through sex. And so I lost my virginity at 13, which is so young. And I just like want to go back and give my little 13 year old self a hug. But 
so I lost my virginity at 13 and it was I did other things before then with guys but that was like quote unquote my virginity and from then it was game on like I literally had because I had no choice and when I was exposed to sex and it and it had become like such a big part of my life such a thing that I hyper focused on like that did not stop until really two year two three years ago when I began to do this work um that was how I measured my worth was the validation that I got from it was the attention that I got from it this void that I was feeling and so after I lost my virginity like it was game on that was how I interacted with almost everybody was through sex or if it was not sex it was through like trying to attract them to me in a sexual way and so throughout my teens it was partying which I think who knows like in hindsight you can really attach any meaning to anything but I think all the partying was like my way of, of numbing like, I don't really like this person this act isn't really fulfilling to me but like if I drink and I numb it it's easier and I can still get that validation and that fix and so like really young drinking a lot um like drunk sex all of those things through my through my high school years like once I lost my virginity and then through my high school years and then through college and when I got into college my social media became a big like I I gained a big presence on social media from within like a year I went from like no followers to probably 10,000 because I was getting my sexual attention and my in my head the story that I had was like my body is all that I have to offer to the world has been since birth so here we go booty pics and cleavage pics and like I'm wearing a bikini and I'm wearing bra and undies and like the thing about social media is it's so instant like I would literally refresh my page and just watch the likes go up if I didn't get this is how extreme it was this is how much attention I was getting if I didn't get a thousand likes within an hour thousand likes within an hour I would delete the photo like that's how high that engagement was and that fucking dopamine hit of hit 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 I was right my body's the thing that, that gets me anywhere in life and so at that point obviously there's no denying that I'd had like a lot of sexual partners through high school and through college through all the partying and the numbing and the filling the void <laughs> and the stories of how I got my worth and this is all I have to offer the world then I begun to do this work that I do now in healing all the stories and the conditioning that I really was like oh shit <laughs> I have a lot of stuff to work on and as soon as that switch hit of like oh, oh this is not a good thing then I became like a recluse which my my fiance comes in the picture then is like he and I have like a really healthy fun exploratory sex life in the beginning because we don't know each other that well yet I mean 
we begin to know each other deeply pretty quickly, but just in the grand scheme of things compared to how we are now, um, we didn't know each other that deeply yet. And so I didn't feel that exposed. And then as we got more serious, as we got to know each other deeper, as he got to know my wounds and see me through all these things and he could see me like the first man that ever really saw me, I became like a recluse in the sense of I, I've always my entire life felt like, like my body was all I had to offer. And so now I want to make sure that that's not what happens here. And I became guarded and I put up walls and it wasn't even conscious. It was so, so visceral. I almost said primal, but that doesn't feel appropriate. It was so visceral, so just subconscious, so built into my nervous system that I had no control over it. I could tell myself I'm loved, I'm safe. I trust him, he respects me, I'm not an object, but still my body was like, nope, we are guarded because forever our body was someone else's. From the beginning of time, literally my very first memory of being on this earth my body was someone else's. And then for over 20 years, it was someone else's and I was giving it away. And now it's mine. And anyone who tries to enter into that space, I, I just felt like attacked. And it was such a 180 from how I'd always been. It was very confusing. And so that's where I'm at now of like, releasing that guard and working through this energy that is stuck in my nervous system because it's not there emotionally anymore. Like I said, the last two and a half, three years, I've done the work emotionally and I've done the work mentally to where it's not, it's healing has been done. I won't say it's not there anymore, but healing has been done. We never get rid of our demons. We just learn to live above them. And like, I'm in my brain, I'm above them. But in my body and my nervous system, it is still there. And it's like I have no control over it. And so that is the work I'm doing now is learning to release it in my nervous system and in not holding on to this guard and have these walls up of like, uh, I, exp I explain it as like, <sighs> let's see. Like, I, I just want to have a say and I want to be in control of everything that happens with my body and it is mine and nobody else's. And so when I'm exploring things sexually, for me, it has to be in this one way, in this setting, and that is what feels safe. And anything outside of that is like alarms, like alarms ringing. And so that's what I'm working through right now. I don't know what other context or what other story of this is, is really, or what, what part of the story really needs to be shared before I get into the submission that my listener wrote in for advice. But that is my story with sex is like, it's everything like sex is everything in my story it is the root of everything and when I say it has everything to do with my eating disorder like obviously having disordered eating is at least for me is trying to control the way that you look 
trying to control your weight, trying to control how appealing you are to yourself and to other people. And so by, by doing that and by trying to make my, be so in control of, of how attract quote unquote attractive I am, that's how I, that's how I get the attention. That's how I get the validation. That is my worth. My worth is how attractive I am to other people. That is, and, and what I can sexually offer to other people. That's the story I've been told since I was, since I was, I won't say I was born, since I can remember is like what I have to offer people is sexually. And so if, if, if not that, then nothing. And so that's where the eating disorder came. And like I said, the drinking came, I think with numbing my intuition. My intuition is loud. At the time, I didn't know how to listen to it, but my intuition I now know is loud. I know it was telling me like, this is not it. But I would just quiet, I would just numb. And that's that's what the partying was for me, was like, we're gonna numb and we're, we're gonna do the thing that makes us feel worthy. And yeah. And obviously this comes with like so many other things, the way I interact with men and then, you know, my dad not being present also plays a part, but ultimately like everything comes to this shadow of the trauma that I still hold in my nervous system around my sexual assault. And so, um, Let's get into the submission. I'm gonna pause this really quick and make sure it was still recording because my computer screen um, blacked out. Oh, yep, it looks like it is. Okay, so this recording says it's on the same time as the camera, so it looks like it was still recording. And if it wasn't and I have to record this all again, I'll be really sad. Um, so that is the work that I'm doing around all of that. And I'm in the middle of doing a lot of work around all of that. I probably will be for a long time, but here's my credentials. Along the way, I've gathered so many tools, learned so many things, had a lot of revelations, and I think I can offer some really good perspective for any other person that has experienced something like this. One other thing before I go into the next segment is this one's hard, hard to articulate because it's only a new, a new realization that I'm having is as a result of that trauma happening to me, I then was, I then was traumatizing myself. So this is something I have to take accountability for and take responsibility for because like the initial thing happening to me was not my fault, of course. But as a result, when I gained logic and reasoning skills and agency, and I was able to choose what I did with my body, I did not make the best choices. And I let a lot of people and energies and things into my sacred space, into my temple. And every single time I did that, I like broke it down a little bit more. And I was traumatizing myself and I was hurting myself. 
And so now that's a whole other thing, like a whole other trauma that I need to work through is forgiving myself for all of the ways in which I was causing damage. And I was allowing men that maybe didn't see me, didn't love me, didn't respect me. I was allowing them to have their way with me. And, and when you are very sexually promiscuous, I won't say you, I'll speak for myself. I do that a lot. I like, um, put the responsive or I put the conversation on other people. Like when you do this, I'm trying to work on that. I'll speak for myself. When I was sexually promiscuous, that became dangerous because there was this fine line of like, okay, there is sex that I'm choosing to participate in. And then there's sex that I'm just letting happen to me. And then there's sex that like when you put yourself in, in those positions, and even if you no longer want it to happen, it kind of still does. And so there's a lot of like muddy, blurry stories throughout my life that I'm like, was that an assault? Or like, or was that my fault? Or like, there's this a lot of shame and guilt of like, some sex that I partook in that I didn't really want it to happen and did anyway. And it wasn't something that I numbed, like I actively knew I didn't want it to, but then it did. And then I'm like, what, like, how do I define all of this? How do we make sense of all of this? And so I put myself in a lot of dangerous situations. And so that's something that I'm having to forgive in myself is like all the ways in which I re-traumatize myself. And, and I think that's really important to note too, is like, I, I take responsibility for a lot of what I'm having to work through now for this guard that I have up now, because I, I was the one giving it away. And so now that I feel so protective of it and so like, nobody look at me, nobody touch me. I'm gonna wear these big sweaters and whatever. Um, and like, that's fine. It's fine to feel that way. But for me, it's a, it's a, like it's impeding my growth and my ability to like show up in life comfortably and feel safe. And so it's a problem for me. And, and it was a little bit self-inflicted and I don't mean in, and I don't mean that in the way that a lot of victims feel like, Oh, was it my fault? I mean that really, like it really was self-inflicted in a way of like, I spent all of my teens and all of my early twenties violating myself and not living in integrity with myself and numbing myself and not listening to my intuition. And at the end of the day, that's my fault. And I have to forgive myself for that. And so that's something I'm working through now. <sighs> okay. Let's take a deep breath. That was, that was a lot of big stuff. That was a lot of heavy stuff. And so thank you for being with me through all of that. Let's get into the submission that a listener wrote in and it gave me that scary big feeling when I first read it because it's exactly what I'm going through and I know so many other people are going through in their relationships. So the submission says, hi Leah, I'm in a good, healthy relationship. Let me preface with, I'm a survivor of several assaults. I love my partner with every ounce of my being, but sometimes there are just times where I just can't. It's not him at all. I want to be in a place where I'm 100% there, but it's hard. As a survivor yourself, do you have this issue and how do you adapt and overcome? 
Okay. I... I do have this issue, first and foremost, as I just explained. I do have this issue of like, oh, I love my partner. I feel so safe, so seen, so respected. He's so gentle. Like, it is there with him 100%. So healthy, so communicative. He knows my triggers. But I still struggle with just having this guard up. And like, sometimes I, I feel like I'm, I'm being attacked. <laughs> Even when I'm not, my, my nervous system just holds that memory. And so that's the first thing. I want to explain is what trauma is and this is I think important for anyone with trauma on any topic but but obviously specifically for this one um, trauma is not the thing that happens to us trauma is the memory that is stored in our nervous system it's this expression that got thwarted that got stuck in there and it hasn't quite our nervous system hasn't quite worked it out yet that's why there are things called triggers that cause this emotional response again because it's stuck in there so trauma is the living memory in your in your nervous system and in your body it is not the thing that happens because for example two people can experience the same thing one can be left with trauma and one not and so i really want to emphasize that there are people that have experienced car accidents that like weren't traumatized by it and then someone else could experience the same exact car accident in the same way going the same speed with the same energy and like are left with that fear and that anxiety and that reaction stuck in their body every time they get in the car and so it's really important to recognize that trauma is the, the memory that is stored in your nervous system. It's not a conscious memory of like, oh, I'm remembering that thing that happened. Because when you remember the thing that happened, that's the trigger. That triggers the nervous system response. And so I think that's a really important distinction to make. And the reason why it's an important distinction to make is because it's, it's hard, not impossible, but hard to work through your trauma response in your brain. And as a mindset coach, a lot of the work that I do is heady, right? We're retelling stories, we're reframing thoughts, we're getting perspective, we're doing a lot of work in our heads, in our inner narrative, but trauma is in our bodies. And so I'm learning now through, you know, me continuously hitting roadblocks in working through this trauma is I need to shift the perspective from my mind and put it into my body because it's all connected and my body work is something I was neglecting for a long time which is ironic because my body is where I feel unsafe like it mentally in my head I feel so safe so safe in sex but it's in my body where I, I don't even have a choice in the way that my body reacts sometimes and so I think first and foremost talking to a professional, like, ugh, I know that's such cliche advice, but I really mean it. Um, in getting the mental and emotional, the mental and emotional side worked through as well. And so if therapy is not something you've explored before, if working with a mindset coach is not something you've explored before, um, a trauma and somatics course, or not course, professional is not something you've explored before, do that. 
because it's going to be really hard to work this trauma out of your nervous system and out of your body if, if every time you're thinking about the event, you're triggered and it's emotionally overwhelming and you can't even go there in conversation. And so I am really happy that I went there mentally first before I started going into my body. And so I think that could be a good way to do it is going there mentally and getting it to a place of emotional regulation where you can be emotionally regulated around the topic where you have a sense of acceptance we have a sense of healing like you have a sense of healing in your mind and you know what that means for you and so in that sense I, I just really want to emphasize, like, don't feel ashamed or like you're doing something something wrong if even though you know mentally everything's okay, like your body is still saying no. Because that, it's, it's so normal. I won't say normal. It's so common for us to take the approach of working on trauma mentally as opposed to going into our bodies. And so... I just want to give you some validation and confirmation there that yes, I struggle with this. So do so many other people because the way we see trauma, I think is a little bit skewed in our society and the way we work through trauma is a little bit skewed in our society. Um, and so that's important. I think obviously making sure you're with someone that also is doing work on themselves so they don't take it personally when you're you know, feeling guarded or feeling triggered or feeling, you know, dysregulated in your nervous system because it's, you, it's very hard to work through in your relationship if your partner is not there with you. And so it's important that you have a partner that understands the work that you want to do on yourself and has done work on himself so that maybe his ego isn't getting in the way and, and, in you guys possibly having to take a break in your sex life until you overcome this or maybe you're in the middle of sex and you have to pause and you have to communicate a trigger like it's really important that you guys are on that level with each other um, I think being with a partner that doesn't do this kind of work on themselves it would be really really hard for you to overcome this with them in the picture so I think that's really important is the partner that you have and if all that is in check like I said, then we turn our attention into our bodies. Outside of sex, how can I release this thwarted and stuck energy in my body? And I think body work can look like anything that takes you out of your head and into your body. So that can be breath work. That can be cold plunges that can be reiki i don't know a lot about reiki but i'm just giving examples in which like the focus is the energy that is stored in your body that can be plant medicines like combo ayahuasca things that just <laughs> place you right with yourself to confront that stuck energy that is in yourself and so i think those are all incredible ways to 
begin to regulate your nervous system. That's the goal, right? Is regulating our nervous system. If you're watching the camera, you just saw me pick my nose, sorry. Um, the goal is regulating our nervous system because trauma is a dysregulated nervous system. And so what does that for you? What does that for you? Is that, this may sound dramatic, but whatever you have to do, is that going into a meditation with you or maybe with your partner before sex? Is that doing a massage before sex? Is that doing these little things that sex is not just an act? Sex is a place where your body can subconsciously let that guard down. And so we're looking at ways to turn our attention to presence with our body, moving the stuck energy that way and creating a sense of safety in that way. I don't think this is a thing that we can talk ourselves into. I don't think we can enter into sex saying like, okay, I feel safe. He loves me. It's a go. Um, I think it's something that we, our body needs to do because it's, it's a subconscious nervous system response. And so those are all incredible examples. And you said sometimes there are times where you just can't. I think that's okay too. That's not necessarily something you have to fix. Now, if it's obviously, if it's a situation where your body is feeling unsafe and unsafe and threatened around your partner who, you know, seemingly is safe, is loving, is respectful. Like, obviously that's something that needs to be mitigated. But if sometimes you're, you, you're just not in the mood or you have a lower sex drive than your partner, I think that's okay. I think that's okay. And I think that's something you can just communicate to them. Um, whereas I know for me, when I'm in my, sometimes I just can't moods is because I'm feeling guarded. And so that's something that I do try to work through because I have, obviously I have a high sex drive. Like I have had a high sex drive my entire life. And so I know it's not that it's just, I've never gotten this deep with a person before and allowed them to see me in this way before. So I feel scared. And so yeah, all those tips and the way that you can turn the focus onto your body and onto your nervous system. What is regulating to our nervous systems? It can be, you know, some kind of touch, a fuzzy blanket, or a warm stone that you rub on your hands. It can be anything that gets you out of your head and into your body. It can be grounding, grounding with the earth, grounding, you know, through your root chakra, like I said, in a meditation. And so these are all the ways, this is very premature and immature. I won't say immature, this is very premature advice because this is something that I'm working through now. And even though I don't have all the answers, I thought it was important to talk about because I'm experiencing the same thing and I wanted to go there with my listeners. And so that's, once again, this is the way that I am working through it. I am doing womb work. I was grown in a womb that was traumatized. My mother 
was grown in a womb that was traumatized. I mean, for so many generations, I think this can be a generational thing too. For so many generations, for, for me and for I'm sure so many women out there, like our bodies have been traumatized and have been hurt. And so if I was grown in a womb that has these memories and has this trauma that's been passed down through generations, I think it's my karmic responsibility to heal what they're carrying as well. My mother and my grandma is healing and all the women on my maternal side. I feel this like pull to my maternal bloodline so heavily. And I know that by doing this work, I'm opening up the portal for all of them to heal as well. And so the reason I bring this up is because sometimes it's a spiritual thing. Sometimes we're carrying stories and trauma and hurt for generations and generations and we get to break the cycle. And so I'm personally doing womb work right now. Um, I'm giving a lot of attention and love to my womb. I'm doing the yoni steams. I'm like, I'm treating my period as a ceremony to shed and release this pain and this hurt to purge this stuck energy that's in my body. So I'm meditating through my cycle. I'm doing so many ceremonial things through my cycle to symbolize the way in which my womb is loved and it's serving me and it's shedding every single month things that no longer need to be in there. And that is an incredible way, I think, to heal this stuff is to make it spiritual as well. At least for me on my journey, it's a very spiritual thing as well. It's not just a nervous system stuck in my body thing. It's my spirit. And so what other ways am I doing womb work? Yoni steams, you know, my periods, a ceremony, I'm taking a lot of herbs and oils that promote like healthy fertility and a healthy womb. I'm talking with my womb because for a long time, I mean, forever, my periods have been really painful and I've been resentful to my womb. Obviously, like I said earlier, I was re-traumatizing it and treating it like shit, causing myself a lot of pain. And I always felt like when I was in my period, I was like being attacked by a foreign entity. It was just so uncomfortable. And so now I'm really tapping into my body and finding ways to love on my womb and be present with it and no longer see it as my enemy. I think that is an incredible way to heal this sexual trauma is to do womb work and lean into our divine feminine. And reclaim like what reclaim our bodies and what sex means to us. Like our bodies are so fucking powerful. Every single life that has ever existed on planet earth has entered through a woman. We are the creators. Okay. We're the creators. We are intuitive. We are sensual. The divine feminine is playful. The divine feminine is the glue. My friend Ashley Hummel had this saying that I've, I've reworked what it meant to me, but I remember seeing her tweet once that said, the masculine is the structure and the feminine is the glue. And I so truly believe that our divine feminine is the glue that holds this world together. We're the life force. We're fucking powerful. We grow humans inside of us, these spiritual beings that are in touch with God, that are in touch with their intuitions, 
that are untainted. They're so pure. They're so innocent. They live in us and our bodies get to do that and become this portal that brings them into the world. Like have some respect for that and reclaim that power and understand how absolutely beautiful your body is and your womb is. I think that's how we reclaim our bodies and our sex lives is like showing it that respect. Like every time we engage in an act of sex, we need to recognize that this is not a physical thing only. I mean, it is a physical thing, but it's not only that. It's an energetic thing. It is a spiritual thing in which the person that I'm allowing into my space, the person that I'm allowing, you know, to influence this energy is entering into a very sacred, powerful space. And we are, humans are tuning forks for each other. We can very easily taint each other's energy. We can bring each other's energy up. We can bring each other's energy down. And so that's why I say it's really important to understand that this is an energetic exchange. In understanding when you enter a space like that, like sex, it needs to be with somebody that you are energetically, that you are okay with taking on their energy because you will, even if you are unaware of it, humans are tuning forks for each other, both, both physiologically, like our nervous systems literally mirror each other. This is something you can read in a psychology book, but also spiritually. And so I think that's another way that we can reclaim our bodies and our sex lives. Um, this person that wrote in said they're in a good, healthy relationship. So that's not really the issue. I'm just speaking to the masses here is like our bodies and an act of sex is not just a physical thing. And I think recognizing that and having respect for how powerful and beautiful and wonderful our bodies are is an incredible way also to begin healing the sexual trauma that's thwarted in our bodies. At least for me, the moment, and this all, this all come up, came up for me in ayahuasca. Like every time I sit with ayahuasca, I feel so connected to my maternal bloodline and my divine feminine. And it's just a very feminine experience for me. And I'm constantly reminded of what the divine feminine and what our bodies and what our presence contributes to the world and the respect that it requires, the respect that it's worthy of. And doing that work has really helped me in healing my sexual trauma because for so long I did not respect my body for so long I was not aware of the power that it holds and the and and the the playfulness and the sensuality and the the creativity and and the production that it contributed to the world and so by doing that I've really been able to reclaim my body for myself and so that's another way you can, you can see it is like seeing your body as not just a physical body, but as a spiritual being. And womb work is where I'm doing that. Sitting with ayahuasca is where I'm doing that, but you don't, 
Like it doesn't have to be this, if you're not a spiritual person, if you're not, you know, a big spiritual person, then start small. Maybe just by recognizing the ways in which your body contributes to the world and what it does for you can be a great start. And so that's also a thing I want to, I want to start coaching on. Obviously not, I don't want to start coaching on how to like heal or heal trauma that's stuck in the body because that's a lot of, I'm still figuring that out and that's something I need to do with myself, but I want to start coaching on the divine feminine and, you know, connecting with our maternal bloodlines and womb work and spirituality and building altars and all of those things because my homecoming program is very heady, very mental. I'm now realizing that doing this work is so much more than that. For me and my story, it's so much more than that. It's very spiritual. It's very divine. It's so much more than rewriting stories in our head. It is, you know, our ancestors. It is God, whatever that means to you. For me, God is not the the societal norm that how most people see God for me God is different and so whatever that means for you and yeah that's a place that I want to take my coaching soon and really sorry if this ramble wasn't exactly the answer you were looking for but those are just all the ways in which I'm overcoming this trauma is moving the attention to my body out of my head and into my body regulating my nervous system becoming present there, feeling safe there, feeling open there, um, doing womb work and connecting with my divine feminine. Those are all of the ways in which I'm overcoming this. And then also communicating all of this with my partner so that he's right there and he doesn't feel rejected. He doesn't feel like, you know, our sex life is lacking because it's important I think to take your partner on the journey along with you. You're on your own journey and you're healing, but it's also affecting him. And so making sure you're letting him in on the process so that he's not feeling triggered himself. And so always open communication is really important. Oversharing. I oversharing my poor fiance. He has to like he doesn't want to hear about like when I steam my yoni but I freaking tell him anyway because I don't want him ever to feel like the, the ways in which my blockages around sex are are because of him he's the one that's helping me get through it like to have a partner like him is like major key in healing all of this and having his support and being seen and loved through all of it I don't know if I mean I I don't even want to imagine having to go through it without him. So that's a really important piece too, is communicating with your partner everything that's going on so he doesn't internalize it or she doesn't internalize it. I don't know who your partner is. Um, and so I hope you were able to take some nuggets of wisdom from that. A lot of talking in circles, a lot of one way and the other, and then, oh, this idea and that. But that's how I'm working through it. And I really appreciate anyone who has stuck with me 
this long into this episode of the podcast. I understand this was really heavy stuff. And I also want to give one final disclaimer is I share my story from a place of triumph. Like I am fucking thriving guys. I am triumphant, triumphant. I don't know the word. I am triumphing over, (laughs) over these things and I am not held back by them. I am working through them one day at a time, one step at a time. And I want you to know however heavy, however deep, however scary, however dark your shadow self feels, one little ray of light, one little flick of a flame overcomes an entire room of darkness. And that is all that needs to happen for you to begin your journey of shedding light and love on what you have and your shadows and doing your shadow work. And also knowing it does take time. I spent two and a half years kind of just living on the surface and only now in the last couple months am I being like, okay, let's fucking go there. And so I'm going there. And so it's also like, when are you ready? For me, it had it had to be now. I My journey had to happen this way. Because had I started doing this work, you know, immediately just diving into like getting out this, this stuck energy in my nervous system immediately, then I wouldn't have been introduced to the divine feminine and doing womb work and seeing this from a spiritual perspective, which I think is going to be the thing that gets me out of the other side of this. And so for me, it had to happen this way. And so it's okay if right now isn't the time. I think it's really important to trust your intuition. That's another thing that the divine feminine is so fucking good at is being intuitive. And like, we know, we know. And so trust your intuition and when it is time to begin to do this work on healing your sexual trauma. Like we know we have all of the answers. It's right here. It's in us. It's in our center. We have a knowing in us. You're so full of wisdom. And any answer that we could ever seek is inside of us. Our therapist doesn't have it. I don't have it on this podcast. Our coaches don't have it. Our teachers don't have it. Our parents don't have it. Our intuitive self has it. We are so vast. And all we have to do is tap in and trust trust that you know what serves you and you have the answers nobody else knows someone could spend every second every day of their life with you but they still don't know because they are not experiencing your life from inside of you in the way that you are they don't have your stream of consciousness in the way that you do so ultimately at the end of the day this is my coach self-speaking to anybody that writes in a submission to my podcast, close your eyes, put one hand on your heart, one hand on your belly, take a deep breath and say, I know what serves me because you fucking do. You do. I know that you do. And you can trust that voice. And one day we'll get into how to differentiate, like what is your intuition and what is fear speaking? I love that topic. Um, but let's just leave it there is like, you know what needs to happen next. You just have to listen. 
peel back all of the noise that the world gives us. And just listen because you know what serves you. Your intuitive self has a deep knowing further than our little human brains and bodies could even comprehend. We are vast. And I really believe that. And I really trust that. And maybe we'll have an episode about, like a full episode about the divine feminine, because I only lightly touched on it. And that's something I do a lot of work on. Something I'm going to start doing with my clients is the divine feminine, um, how to embody her. And so let me know if you want a whole episode on that. <sighs> this was good. This was therapeutic. And I know that that was a little bit all over the place, but this isn't like my story around sex isn't something I articulate out loud often or really ever. I don't know if I've ever articulated out loud in the way that I just did. And so maybe that's why it wasn't so graceful and so smooth and flowy, but that's okay. I think the way that I said it is perfect. And so thank you friends for listening and know that you can always write in to the podcast anything that you have a that you have a question about that you want answers that you need advice for no topic is off limits obviously um based on where we took it today and so you can write into the podcast at girls just want to have friends at gmail.com that's wanna w-a-n-n-a not want to a lot of people are making that mistake girls just want to have friends at gmail.com you can text into my text community which do that anyway because I'm going to be doing a lot of my newsletters and sharing free content on there outside of just submissions for the podcast and so my text community is 317-644-3966 write in your scenario or your question there that you want advice on you can do my twitter jungle leah with an extra A at the end of Leah, so L-E-A-A. -A. You can do my Instagram, which is jungle period Leah without an extra A, so L-E-A, jungle period Leah. And yeah, I love you guys so much. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you for once again holding this space for me to show up truthfully, authentically, share my story, and um, giving myself this little therapy session. I love you, and I will see you on the next episode. Bye.